Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic interventions. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Y'all, we have such a dope conversation that is about to happen right now. Today I have with me two people who are very swiftly becoming my chosen family and part of my chosen tribe, and we got some good stuff to talk about. So I have Seta Jawaid and Damon Azalee Rojas. I knew I was going to say his name. need to slow down. They are the co-founders and directors of Coaching for Healing Justice and Liberation and the authors of Love Letter to the Movement. Hello, you all. Hey, happy to be here. Hello. Super excited. Um, Yeah, I I can't wait to see what direction we're going because it could go so many different places. And I, I, I plan to follow all the little trails, but I will start with you all like I do with all of my guests and ask, what is your labor of love. Damon, you want to start? No, I want you to start. I'm curious. <laughs> okay. Um, so I love the question. Um, and I've, you know, have been sitting with it. Um, so there's a story my mom tells me about her dad. Um, and she's an immigrant from Pakistan. And you know, when she was leaving Pakistan, her my grandfather, her dad told her that, you know, in heart in life there's gonna be hardship and I wish you ease in everything. Um, And it's a story, you know, she always tells me and she gets emotional every time she talks about it. And, you know, I, I just, I didn't like, so over the years, I've realized how much that has impacted me. And like, it's also very connected to my spiritual tradition as a Muslim. There's a verse in the Quran that says with hardship, there's ease, like it comes hand in hand. So for me, like my labor of love um, is how can I show up in the world bringing more ease to people. And so to me, that is like, how can I learn more? How can I um, be attuned to the relationships I actually want to keep so that um, others have greater ease in their life? And that feels like um, a deep sense of fulfillment for me. It feels like a spiritual practice. It feels like a labor of love. And, you know, we're going to talk about coaching in just a moment, but for me, coaching is one avenue of bringing ease in the world. Um, I came to coaching through organizing, which was another avenue that I think, you know, brings dignity and ease to people through community organizing. So that's a bit about my own story. So I, you know, I think about my grandfather and I think about his love of mangoes too, because that was also something that was, I was like passed down. So it's like mangoes and ease. Like that's, you know, the, the story of my own ancestors that I think show up. It's like, how can you bring people together um, with good food and community and support ease and whatever that looks like for them. So before Damon has his response, I just want to say like, I absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing. And something I've never heard you say that. So I've never shared this story, but um, this year moving into 2022 was one of those like, you know, pick a, pick a word for the year, which felt pretty arbitrary in the past, but this year felt so much more grounded in a reality. And my word was ease. Mm. And ease was an acronym for ease, abundance, soar, and elevate. 
and it has been such a guiding uh, a guiding set of principles for me, uh, including CHJL. So to hear like that ease is your labor of love. And in a season when I was told that ease would be my guiding principle, I found my way to you just feels uh, much more than coincidence because I don't believe in coincidences actually. So thank you for sharing that. And I love how even in that, I feel so much even more connected. So Yay. I gave me chills. Thank you. For oh my gosh. It was so good. I couldn't even wait to let Damon talk. I was like, hold on. I don't want to lose this. <laughs> Damon, how would you describe your labor of love? Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that Sarah went first because there were so many. I was like, what do I say here? And when she talked about a grandfather, it made me think about my grandfather. So my grandfather um was from the south came over to los angeles in the great migration and he was one of the first black electricians in los angeles and i think what i think about my labor of love it's this thing where like i'm okay being the first i'm not striving to be the first and only black person to do something and i'm okay to do it and i think part of this coaching school Part of me learning how to surf close to 50 years old is being okay being the first. And I think it really just takes one person, two people, and then it makes it okay for people who might be hesitant and saying, I don't really know. I'm not sure if that I, I want to do that. Oh, it's okay. There's I got family over there. They're already doing it. So I think um, it's sometimes it's sometimes hard. Sometimes it is a labor. And then when I look back on those times where I've made those choices and I've allowed, I've been willing to take leadership, like amazing things have blossomed from it that I've never could even imagine, which includes like being on, being on this show with you, Shonda, you know, I couldn't imagine this a couple of years ago mm. and here we are. Let's take a deep breath on that. Cause again, like, I'm like, oh my God, like, thank you, Damon, for sharing and how resonant that feels for me as a person who has had enough awareness and time to reflect on the first interestingly like sibling wise I'm the baby by far um like with like a smooth 14 year gap between my sister and I and you know gaps if you count the brothers that I don't really have relationships with I'm the youngest yet they're there has been this, uh, you know, first generation college attendee, first this, first that. Um, and I do believe that there is a, for me, a weight that comes with um, that first. I had this very pivotal moment. I, I honestly wish that I could remember who ushered in this moment for me. I don't at this moment. But I do remember saying that being the first felt heavy because I felt like I had this expectation that Shonda was going to be the one that elevated the whole bloodline out of poverty, the whole thing. And I, it felt like I had weights like holding me down and someone helped me revision that from my ancestors were hanging on me. Instead, they were providing a base for me to step upon, to do what I needed to do, which fundamentally changed my perspective on being the first but how when we when we accept being the first, how much we are giving permission to other people and hope to say it is possible. And somebody's already opened the door. 
So if you're scared of having to do that, done. Now just come on. <laughs> and so I really appreciate that uh, as a labor. And uh, I would love, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just, I needed to pause right in there because what you said, I think is so important to just anybody in the world. You can look at things from different perspectives. So you can feel it as a weight or you can feel it as a push from up. And I think, you know, even was a, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about grief, we were talking about going in the cave of grief and how you shifted it and you painted this beautiful picture um, that was talking. It's like, sometimes it's not a cave, it's a tunnel. And I think just having the time to shift the perspective, that same hard thing could be the greatest gift that you've ever had. And so I've seen you do that multiple times. And so I had to jump in there and, and just see you and acknowledge you for that. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I'll sit with that. I hold that. I receive that. And, um, you know, part of my labor that is this podcast really is my commitment to living out loud through all the parts, because I think I've said this before, I absolutely cannot stand before and after pictures <laughs> that are void of the middle, right? There's kind of like, this is what it was. And now look, which I'm not saying it doesn't spark hope for some people. Probably it does. I think it did for me at some point, but when people, when there's nobody being transparent about what that transition has looked like, the ups, the downs and everything, then it just paints this thing that um, capitalism does really well. And it says, buy this thing, strive for this thing. It'll be great. Even you. And it's like, hold on, let's, let's, let's talk about that. So being able to have a, a perspective and then in real time say, wait a minute, y'all, my perspective is shifting. I see this differently now, I think has been a gift to myself to be able to do it, but a gift to those who get to listen. Because I know if you grew up like me, there was a very explicit and implicit message that was in. You pick something and you stick with it, right? You don't change your mind in the middle, especially if you've invested time, resources, or energy. You better stick it through. And I just want to give people permission that it changes. Shit changes, y'all. For me, on a daily, <laughs> on a daily basis, let alone being expected to hold on to a belief system or a pattern of behaviors that I established before my prefrontal cortex was even developed, it's ridiculous. So thank you for noting that, um, one of bringing that back to the listeners. And I would love now to transition to a shared labor of love, that being the first and bringing ease has kind of like brought you all together in the formation of Coaching for Healing, Justice, and Liberation. Can you all talk to us about what CHJL is? Maybe you'll feel compelled to talk a little bit about its origin, but how does that serve as a way you live out your labors of love? Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, so, you know, for me, CHJL, Coaching for Healing, Justice, and Liberation, it's, it's a coach training school, like on paper. And it's so much more than that. It's like, um, and I, you know, I think I sometimes like find myself kind of just staring at the wall being like, you know, yeah, we're teaching people coaching and like, we're teaching them how to like live their best lives. Right. Like that, I mean, that's, what's kind of underneath it. It's like, how do you, how do you really like, how do you want, how do you want to feel and, and really step into like the full aliveness of your being? 
Like that's, that's what this is. And I don't really know how to put that into words. It's like, to me, it's like, I see color, right. And I don't, and I don't, I don't see like 12 color water set. I see like a hundred color, you know, like, you know, there's like so many ways to like paint that picture. Um, but it, to me, it's that it's like, how do you step into the full aliveness and full aliveness means being with all of your emotions. So you were talking you know, like about this idea of like being in the cave and like being able to be with your grief and being able to be with your joy and like it being okay. Like it doesn't have to be happy, 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 which is again, another thing that this society tries to sell us that, you know, it's like happiness is the way. And if you're not happy, then, well, you didn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? Like there's something, there's something wrong with you. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't believe in that. I feel like, you know, I, I, I want to feel all the emotions. I want people to feel okay feeling all the emotions and that there's nothing wrong with that. Like those messages we got as young people of like, dry those tears. Like, why are you being sad? What's wrong with you? Like all of that. It's like, I, I get where it's coming from. Right. And it's like, there's, there's wisdom in those tears. There's like um, an aliveness waiting for you on the other side of that grief. That's going to show you what really matters in your life. Right. So we create spaces for people to be in that, in the in the fullness of their being, um, to move to greater levels of wholeness. And so, yes, it's about healing um, and healing on a continuum. It's not, like you said, you know, it's not a before and after. It's really like, how can I be okay with what is arising in me right now and knowing that there will be hardship. There are things that are going to come up, but I know that I'm confident in my ability to like be with that. And I just want to feel better. Right. And so this, like our coach training programs are about teaching people tools to feel better within themselves, to feel at home within themselves. Like one of the metaphors I like to, you know, talk to people about is, you know, there's parts of ourselves that kind of been left by the wayside. Maybe the ones that were told like, don't cry you know, or don't show your anger, or like something's going to happen to you, like this, you know, a form of protection. Um, and those parts have been left, you know, from us, they've been hidden and isolated. And so the idea of like using coaching skills to bring those parts back to ourselves. So you're bringing a part of yourself that home, right? You're like inviting it to sit by the fire and giving it a warm blanket and, um, you know, change of clothes, maybe, maybe, you know, they're, Maybe they've been wet, right? And give them a cup of tea and like, you know, a warm, um, warm pie or something. I don't know, like whatever your food choices. But this idea that like you can have that kind of compassion for yourself is to me is like a real gift um, to the world. And so that's what our, our spaces create. Um, and it's both internal. And then how do you create that space for someone else and be attuned to them in that way where, you're letting them know it's okay for you to bring these parts of yourself home. So that's, that's what the school is to me. And that's like really up here, you know, maybe Damon will talk about a little bit more, you know, about the specifics, but for me, like, that's what, how it's connects to a labor of love is like that sense of creating spaces for people to be in community with themselves and each other as a form of ease. So I think about all these words that can soar from our mouths to describe it. And there's really no way to describe it. I think that I did an amazing job and I'm like on the edge of my seat, like, what is she going to say? Um, I think she really encapsulated the healing 
piece of coaching for healing and justice and liberation. So it inspires me to talk about the justice and the liberation part. And I think the justice quite frankly is that, you know, both of us are organizers, both are spiritual followers, um, both really listen to our intuition <laughs> a lot uh, and have discernment around that. Uh, both of us are parents. Um, yeah, there's a lot of commonalities, even though we look very different. <laughs> uh, I always wear white. Sada tends to wear darker colors. But I feel like the justice piece is really knowing that we can do this training for anybody. But the ones that we're really focusing on are Black, Indigenous, people of color who are involved in social justice struggles and movements. And I say the struggle, I almost even don't want to use the struggle because it's like a, a back and forth. It's a one versus the other, um, which I know it is. But I feel a lot of times we really put it as like this tension thing and it just floods us with cortisol. And I think doing that in a grounded way really shifts the perspective. So I think giving these skills and supporting the skills to become kind of, kind of more uh, evolved or continue to evolve in social justice leaders, organizers, et cetera, that's what will have the most impact. So then it getting spreads beyond people will ever know. If folks read the last chapter of Love, Love Letter to the Movement, it's a sci-fi, it's a Afro-Indigenous sci-fi uh, chapter about the future of coaching. It's called Future is Just Coaching. And it's about how do um, we learn from the past and not repeat the same mistakes. It involves going to Mars and finding Indigenous Martians. And then what do you do? Because we don't want to be like we were before. So that's part of the justice piece. How do we do things different? And I think the liberation, quite simply, is we're all going toward the big L liberation where the whole worldview is different. It's not about wealth accumulation. It's not about taking. It's not about how flashy you are. We're still moving in that, but we have little moments of liberation every day. Even the trainings that we do in prison. There are people who are in prison, locked there uh, for 30 years, and they have liberation in little moments. And a lot of times we pass it by because we're looking at this big, shiny liberation back there. But I think that's also part of the program is how do we be present and aware and be able to sip those things in um, to fill out like our soul. <laughs> what I can appreciate is like, I think I'm experiencing what happens when I talk sometimes where it's like, what am I supposed to say after that? Like that? Yes. And we're not going to end the podcast here, but we could because <laughs> the way you both described CHJL, if I were someone inviting you on the podcast who was not a part of this program, who was not going through the cohort, um, I think I would be like, oh man, I, would, I think I would be very interested as a person who is wading through the weekly waters with a cohort of people, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So you captured it so well, but I have to agree with Damon. I don't know if there's any words we can use to really describe this experience. It is a transcendent experience of community, of uh, togetherness that I I knew, I knew I was looking for it. Um, I didn't know where I would find such a thing and it found me. 
And so um, thank you both for talking about the way uh, you've created something that has these far reaching impacts through healing, through justice and through liberation. And I want to say that for me as a participant, there is this full understanding that what we do individually and collectively is going to change the world. It is changing the world. And yet it is still so personal. Yet there is space for the individual to have these moments and experience of transcendence and healing and a coming home to self that I am no stranger to the inner work. And yet I weekly (laughs) am surprised every time and like, dang, whoo. So I, 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 I didn't burn through so many candles. It's ridiculous. I'm like, okay, so I, I need to own stocking candles. If I'm gonna have some stuff, let's do that. Um, I didn't been through journals because every single time, whether it's a one-on-one I'm having with one of my siblings in the cohort, or we're taking our deep dive, I am open. And because I'm open, there is so much transcendence that happens. So one, I just want to publicly say thank you. Thank you both for your labors of love, for the way that you've taken your lived experiences and somehow created something that people with similar values, but a wide diversity of experience can come together and feel seen, held, understood and worthy of transformation it's it's amazing so thank you both for that yes you've described chgl in a number of different ways just now yeah and i'm just really curious if you had to put your experience and how you've evolved thus far Mm -hmm. into a, a metaphor or into uh you know a short saying or something that was really crystallized and distilled and had all the water out and it was really like pungent. Mm-hmm. How would you describe it for the listeners here? Mm-hmm. That's good. Good question. It's a great question. Um, I was going to joke and say, I don't really think in metaphor, which <laughs> then everyone busts out and laughs. You could do a song. Because <laughs> it's like, that's my whole, everything's metaphor. Um, so yeah, what's coming up? How would I describe that? So It's a combination of um, various things, but one thing that comes to mind is um, The Alchemist. Um, I'm not much of a reader. My listeners know that. (laughs) But I've read The Alchemist a few times, which says a lot about that particular book. Um, So there is something about me recognizing that I was searching for my personal legend. I recognize that. I didn't know what it was Um, and what that journey kind of looked like for me was some kind of awakening that happened for me in 2020 that across all avenues of my life, emotionally, spiritually, there was just like, there's more. I've been in some box, there's more. And so I was on this quest for where's the more and questing for me is never an active searching, if you will. It's an openness to allow things to come to me. And so that meant that in 2021, uh, three different people sent me an email. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. And it was a a nine-month cohort 
with Resma Minicum and um, Education for Racial Equity or Education. Yeah, I think that's it. Education, ERE. And I had never heard of it. I heard of him. I bought the book because I buy books. I just don't always read them. So I have the book. <laughs> what I read was amazing, but y'all, I'm me. You know, um, he spoke, He it resonated because I understand the nervous system. And for him to describe um, the collective racial experience in this country, country as a collective nervous system, nervous system issue, I was like, oh yeah, this is dope. And so people said, you should do this. You should do this. Just three people from various different parts of my life. And I'm like, hmm, okay, I'll try it. So I'll apply. And if I get in, I'm supposed to be there. And I did. And it served a purpose for that, that, that part. It keyed me into some key relationships like Taylor Shanae and a few other folks that is like, okay. And then at the end of that, they, um, I was, I promise I was listening, but I just remember hearing about this thing and I felt spirit. I felt the draw of the ancestors. It was like, that's it. And it was like, well, if that's it, I probably should have been paying more attention. Okay. Um, I don't even know what this thing is, but they put a link in and I said, I clicked the link coaching for healing justice and liberation. All right. I mean, I understand all of those words as separate things. (laughs) what that means for like how they straighten again I don't know but I didn't feel like I needed to understand I just felt like okay and so I said I'll apply and if I get in I'm supposed to be there but that I applied in like November and it wasn't going to start until like May and so in between someone sent me something or I saw it in this this Facebook group I'm in um about a person her name um oh geez and not Amber Amber what is your last name Amber McZeal was doing this series once a month for like the next five months, which fit right perfectly inside of this little gap around um, decolonizing the psyche. And so I like did this. And so I would describe CHJL as like the next step on my way to my legend, my personal legend. It is like, and every time I get somewhere, It's where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. The difference between the two things, like the the cohort uh, with Resmond ERE and the kind of thing I did with Amber is that when I got to CHJL, it became evident to me that this wasn't a place where information was just going to be given to me for me to consume and take and utilize but it was a place for me to grow, to contribute, to be my full authentic self for the, for the best of the group. And everyone else was able to do the same. So I would describe CHJL as like an internship, a spiritual internship. Like it's, it's, I don't, it's not my landing place. Like I know that at some point, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going on this journey, but the opportunities, not just to receive knowledge, but to participate in the expression and giving of knowledge and to practice what I'm learning feels like a rich internship um, on my journey towards wherever I'm going. So metaphorically speaking, I think that is how I would describe it. I love that spiritual internship. And that feels like 
it captures, you know, it really says more about like, it's a coach training program, right? Because that, I think that's how, like, we're both intentionally, as well as like people just showing up with their desire to grow, right? And how that, and we've seen that over the years, like, as each cohort comes, like this cohort that we're in right now is like, so ready for transformation. They're like, they're just, um, like, you know, asking questions that, you know, like, how do, how do we release ancestral, you know, baggage, like, you know, things that like, had, didn't even come up years ago. And it's like, they're just the readiness is so exciting. Um, and I think so much of that is the synergy of people being together and like choosing to heal together, too. That is just like infectious. So I just love how you described that. Thank you. <clears throat> it's so accurate. So I have a question. Um, when I heard Damon describing it, it was kind of like, and you know, here's why we choose mo- choose movement folks, which makes sense to me, but I would, first of all, not consider myself a movement folk, <laughs> right? So now Damon's giving me a look. Now I can, I can see all the ways that we can make it fit. But the reason I'm asking is because, because I so strongly felt called to this, it was apply. But if I had only looked at those words, like people in the movement, even though I can now rationalize how I'm definitely part of the movement, I don't think I would have seen myself that way upon applying. So can you talk a little bit about like in using maybe slightly different words? Cause you, I, I want, first I want you to describe that look you gave me when I just said what I just said that people won't be able to see, but I definitely saw, <laughs> but what are some of the characteristics that make this, like, I don't want to frame it as the ideal person. I think that comes in a lot of different ways. But I am very different than so many people in the cohort. And so many people in the cohort are so different from one another. And yet it's still like really vibes. So what are some of the essences of folk that you're looking for who come through the program in a way that feels the, like to capture the most meaningful parts that you've put together? So the last part of the question, I'm going to leave it to Sada. But I want to talk about the look and then one about the internship. because. In coaching, it is the full 100% plus belief that your coach partner, the person that you're coaching, has all the answers to their most passionate prayers that they don't even know that they have yet. And so when you talk about it as an internship and it's like this training, which basically I also feel like it's training people to believe in themselves that they do have those answers. And suddenly I see like, okay, at the end, you went through this. Now, what are you going to do that is particularly special to you that your ancestors, all your life experiences, the joyful ones and the really, really difficult ones has prepared you to be to bring healing into this world. And so, yeah, we don't have the, the answers. The people who go through our program have the answers. And we want to sustain them, make it easier for them, and help them really clarify where they want to go, even if everybody else in their life says, you crazy? What you doing? For them to believe no matter what, because they will create things that will help shift everything in this world. So that's one. Second, why I gave you that look, and people know I'm like trying to get my posture up here so I can match Shonda. Shonda, there 
is a broad definition of the movement, which I don't think a lot of people in the movement have the same definition that I have. I think their definition is, are you doing work? Are you in a, uh, on a protest chanting? Are you working in a social justice organization? Are you challenging um, government and elected officials when they're at their meetings? There's more to that. I see it as broader because I feel that the world that we want to be birthed has people who are raising kids, has people who are playing music that uplifts us. And when I look at you and I see like an embodied, aligned, purpose-driven, spirit-led Black woman who has their own business who's raising three kids, who has a partner. I even heard some of, who's a producer, right? Jay, heard how you negotiated in that. To me, that is so important to have as a role model and a paragon to like look up to. Because I think when the, when I was in the movement, when I was so like, basically got myself Bell's palsy because I was so stressed out and half my face was paralyzed because of it. When I was at that point, it was like, I was that single guy doing it. But it's based on relationships. Social change and and evolution is based on relationships and it's based on family. So when I look at you, when I hear you, when you talk in the teleclasses and at the retreats, you're a role model to me. You have a piece that I'm looking for. It's like, how do I show up as a powerful Black person that's unapologetic. And even if everybody in my life thinks that what I'm doing is not the right thing, spirit has told me this is the right thing. And I'm not paying that any mind. And in two years, five years, whatever, they're going to catch up. So you came in the door you needed to come into. We ain't going to change the website. And we're going to get, we're going to get more people who don't actually think they are that. Um, and they're going to find their purpose mm-hmm. and they're going to make some really cool shit happen. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, everything Damon said, just underlying all of that and my own definition of movement is really broad. And I come from community organizing where it was like, you're not down enough unless you're knocking on X, Y, Z number of doors or turning out a thousand people for this action. Right. Like that's where, that's where my, you know, my training came from. And, you know, in that experience, I just felt like we were doing really important work, right? It was important. Um, And like, it was not clear to me that the people mattered along the way. And so like, I want to win. I want to win. But it also matters to me, like how we win and who are we along the way. Um, And so that lends itself to a broader definition of movement, right? Movement work and like, who are the different, like, parts of that space that we need we need folks that are that are doing the door knocking we need folks that are doing the healing we need folks that are doing you know teaching our kids right like we need folks that are the artists that are telling the story like we're we need folks that are um that hurt you know funders that are like funding the movement right even though that's complicated we can get into a whole thing about that stolen money stuff but like there's different, you know, there's like there's different ways in which um, to your question about what is that, what is the essence you're looking for? It's like, you know, as when we think about the makeup of a cohort, we're thinking about 
you know, how can we bring together these different aspects of a movement, um, of, of movement so that folks can be in community so that there's, you know, a relationship with someone that's been previously incarcerated for 30 years and is coming out and like just learning the language around what the latest terms are, right, in movement spaces with someone that's been, you know, um, like is now an elder, right, and holding an executive director role and all of that. So it's like we're thinking about that in the makeup of a cohort. And ultimately, I would say like the essence of what we're looking for is someone that is like really ready for bringing themselves to their own attention, like really willing to look in the mirror, really willing to go inward. And I think part of the magic of, you know, we talk about white supremacy culture. We talk about federal colonialism. We talk about heteropatriarchy. We talk about all these things that I think when you talk about them outside of this space, they can feel like harsh and hard and you're like, um, and uh, you, you know, could even feel judged. And I think in our container, it's like, how can we talk about justice as a way of like, what are the things I need to be with in myself? How am I holding these things that were put on me because of living in the society? And how do I be with that with compassion? Right. And so it's like that, that willingness to like go there. Um, and it doesn't, you know, and you can still be scared. Like it can still be hard. And, you know, we still have folks that are like procrastinating on the requirements of the program. And that it's like, we get that, that happens all the time, every single year. That doesn't mean that, you know, like um, if you have stuff around academia and like, you know, it's like that kind of like we, we make space for that. So that it doesn't feel like, I'm going through grad school right now, right? Like that's not our intention. It's really for folks to be like, okay, I'm ready for a journey. I'm ready to, to be with myself. I remember when I went through the nine month program, I was pregnant um, and I, I was like, okay, I'm going through this like physical journey for nine months. Um, and it's no accident that the coaching program is nine months. But I remember telling my partner the first weekend, like, I know I'm going to change. I don't know how I'm going to change over these nine months, but I know that I am. And so I need you to like make space for that. And it was giving myself permission to like make space for that too. And so that's, that's really what we're looking for. And it's like that they have some sense of like the society we live in and have a critique of it and are, you know, focused on anti-oppression um, and, you know, that we're not starting from like scratch, that they've done some work. Right. And so that's like, you know, for me speaking to it, I mean, you know, that, doesn't always show up on an application or whatever, but that's like the spirit of what we're looking for. That hit so many things that I personally was like, oh, I, I hope they say this. And that is like one, uh, I, I said very similar things. I don't know how I will look coming out of this thing next spring, but I know there are going to be some differences. And there was like an excitement to just journey through the change, which feels very different than we talk about academia or maybe some other program where it's like, here's the thing that I get at the end. Let me just focus on that and do that. And at some point we're like, spring is coming. Don't worry about that part. How do you fully invest in yourself throughout the journey of it? The other thing is I believe, and I have witnessed CHJL meeting people where they are and holding tremendous space for the individuality of lived experiences and current realities but this is not the place you want to come to be convinced that uh, there is a supremacist culture that is in the water 
we drink and the air we breathe. This is not the place to come to try to be convinced that this stuff ain't working and we need to do something different. (laughs) So, you know, one thing I personally say about my work is I meet people where they are, but my elevator no longer goes to the basement. This is not a basement program. Okay. So even if it feels intriguing, (laughs) let that intrigue lead you to get to about the second floor (laughs) and then catch the elevator from there. And I think there is something real rich about that because it's hard if you've ever been in a space where you're coming in on the third floor, then you got somebody in the basement and somebody's on the 10th floor. And then there's some experience that's supposed to pull everyone together to have, it's like, what, you know? And so I, I, I truly trust in the spirit and intuition that guides you all in selecting the cohorts, right? That, that combination of people, essence, gifts, abilities, experiences that create the magic that is the family I'm now in wasn't accidental. It wasn't happenstance. It wasn't the first, the first 36 people who get theirs in. No, I can, I can tell every time I'm in community that there was intentionality behind who is part of this at this moment and that's something that I just want folks to know um that it it's not like some other places and other things where it's just kind of like you know early bird special (laughs) or you know get this in it's also not about saying the right thing um when when I say like they see you I I never met these people in my life Sada or Damon but I put in the application and now it's time for interviews cool you get the thing, it's going to be a video. Damon's on there. And literally the first thing he said to me, he might've said hello first, probably said hello first. He said, you're intense. (laughs) And I was like, interesting because like, (laughs) hi, we, we, (laughs) we never met. And he's like, it it was in your application. And, and what, but what I want to tell you, and then he went on to like, he, he told me what he learned about me through my written application. I will say I tend towards being extremely thorough <laughs> in, in written things like that. But from that moment, I knew he sees me. He's never met me. I don't know if he's been to my website. I don't know if he's listened to the podcast, but he sees me in a way that even if you have been, and when I can say that one of my deepest deepest needs is to be known not by how I've projected not by the expectations that are put on me but for who I am and he starts his sentence off with that in an applicant in in an interview I'm like well we're gonna figure it out because unless he tell me well won't you I'm down like (laughs) if this is just the interview process my goodness so I I just you know I want to throw that out there if you're at the place where you're like please don't see me This might not be the place for you right now because we come in and we are seen. And the beautiful thing is it's not just Damon, Sada, and Gay, who is another lead facilitator, who do the seeing. No, I see folks in my cohort and I'm in the the private messages on Zoom with them. I see you. We're in these small groups and other people are seeing me. So it, it really does become this very intense in the best way possible form of family and community and a lot of us got family trauma I mean y'all know that's what I do right (laughs) family trauma it comes in all shapes and forms so to have um, a spiritually and emotionally corrective experience 
that you can call family, it, it's amazing. Yes. Thank you for saying that. And it's like why I love doing this with Damon. Um, Cause I think he has such a gift for seeing people and acknowledging them and, you know, his uh, so much of the interview process and like the vision of that is Damon's. Right. And it's like, how do we, from the beginning, like have this be a different experience. Like this is not like, you know, thousands and thousands of people applying and, you know, it's like, you don't even know who's reading your application. It's like, it's not like that, right? It's like every part of it is intentional and we want you to feel the care. It's like, we want you to feel like we're sending you a gift before you even show up to our house, right? It's like, hey, we're trying to like create this environment. Um, And then when you come in, it's like, we want to hear your story. Like, we think you're the most important person. Like, thank you for saying yes to this, right? And we're going to learn something from you. I think both Damon and I feel that, um, that, you know, there is so much to learn for us, right? Where, which makes our curriculum very iterative. Like we will, we will change it on a dime, right? When, when there is something that's arriving and like, you saw that happen. I added a class on releasing ancestral burdens because people asked for it. Um, and it's like, there is, um, I think, I think that for me comes from a real desire of like learning. I love learning and I want to learn in community. Um, so I'm, my need there is like deeply fulfilled and yeah, I just, um, it's just really fulfilling to hear you, Sean, to say that, um, about what this experience has meant for you. Cause I think how we want it to be perceived is how you're describing experiencing it. Yeah. Did I really start like that? I mean, I, I can totally believe I started like that or something else. I'm always the one when I'm, when I'm coaching, when I'm coaching someone and they're like, everything is just awful. I just got fired. Then I like, like, I'm so fucking happy for you. Can I say that word? I can say that word? You said it. It's okay. No, yeah, it's good. Bleep it out. (laughs) Um, I I don't cuss very much, but when I cuss, it's, it, there's a point to it um I'm like that's so gr- I'm so happy for you and they're like what what are you talking about but every t- hardship there's always an opportunity there's always an opportunity it's like almost like the divine is closing the doors to things that no longer serve you that they don't want you to be distracted by it because the door around the corner that you don't just see yet that's the door you're supposed to go into um I, I replayed the video because part of the application is a video. You're wearing a white shirt. It was like cut off here. You had a different haircut and you didn't really look in the video so much. And it was like, you know, I got so much trouble on my mind. Refute. It was like you were so like thinking about what I don't not sure why I'm here. I'm going through this process and it just really felt like there was something there that you were looking for an answer. And that was hell of a tense. And that's why we chose you too. <laughs> Cause we are like, this is going to be, this is going to be good. And I think from there, I mean, the before and after, and it's not even after, we can't do after because this is the, this is in the middle. It's sure you, you, you look at people differently. Your presence is different. And all that I can really kind of put the words to it is just like, you're just more uncompromisingly yourself. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Again, I, this is the theme for me. It's like, doesn't matter what anybody else says. It's like, this is who you are 
like it or you know there's a lot of exits to this room <laughs> so many <laughs> window, <exits>. window <laughs> door door you could even go in the closet <laughs> i love but that this is this is who i am yeah and so when you talked about the divine closing the door because the door around the corner, I am, I definitely know historically, I have been a hella unreliable door closer. I can hear, close the door, close the door. There was, there was a relationship, a friendship that I was in that literally I could see the image. The door needed to be closed. Spirit was doing the work for me, closing the door. And I had my back up against it, digging my heels in, trying, trying to stick a foot in there. Keep it open. Keep it open. I can name so many instances. I am not a reliable door closer. <laughs> Haven't historically been. Now I'm like, hey, in this day and age. So we, Jay has this funny thing. He's really funny. If we're, if we're going somewhere and we go to like a grocery store or something, you know, they had to have the automatic sliding doors. He always holds his hand out like, uh-uh, let me get the door for you and waves his hand. So the automatic door opens, you know, like, oh, okay. Thank you so much. Like the door wasn't going to open anyway, but that's how I envision doors now. Like Damon told me one time, you work too hard. <laughs> You're working too hard. And that has been reiterated so many times. So much work I was doing that it was like, yo, I it didn't even, if the door is going to open, it's going to open. Um, if it doesn't, it doesn't mean what's behind it is bad. It doesn't mean no forever. It just means it didn't open right now. So keep it moving. I don't think I could say that with such confidence and literally be living my life out that way without the community of CHJL to just hold the cultivated space for me to work through that. Somebody else's journey is different, but what we do is have a space and each other to come part of this training cohort um, and the training part is that we actually practice coaching with one another. Unlike some other things, I think of like my experience in grad school, for example, where you take in all this information and then, oh, you know, <laughs> synthesize it and make it something. And then later in the future, you're going to practice it. Now we practice like right now. And the beautiful thing is, no matter what I'm going through, whatever little small group I get zoomed into and whoever is my coach for that day. They got exactly, they are the, they are what I need in that moment. And all I got to do is be them authentic selves. They don't have to change because, oh, I'm coaching. Shonda's the coach partner. They just bring it. And it's like, oh my goodness. First of all, I would have never got there by myself. <laughs> I wouldn't have got there if Damien was the coach. I wouldn't have got there if so-and-so was the coach because I needed you today to help bring that out of me. And so I just want to say like life-changing, trajectory-shifting, experience and um but Shonda that also is you like you have set the conscious relationship with the universe to be guided this way and that's why zoom and its analytics puts you or algorithm mm -hmm. whatever that is spirit puts you in a room with the person you need to so I think that's something really just for listeners to really listen to when you really do the internal work to really be in conversation and understand what your intu intuition is trying to teach you and making sure that's from a clean, light, love source as opposed to a trauma source. When you do that, that's when it's like, you can just be in the backseat of the electrified car and it drives you wherever you need to be and you're okay. 
you're okay wherever it takes you because you know it's divinely decreed that that's what you're supposed to be. You're going to learn something there. You're going to share a gift of knowledge. And then you wait till it takes you to the next place. Yeah. So, yes, we help cultivate that. But I think part of choosing people and extending invitation to people, it also is around what where they are. And so I think that's just something just, if I'm going to say you're intense, you used to work too hard. You're very, very intelligent. And I would say this last one is like, and you have surrendered and melted into what your purpose is. And maybe an internship, but to me, that's that's the end. Because once you're there, it's like a quantum something. It just it, there's there's some multidimensional black hole thing, stardust and whatever. But when you're living in that space of being spiritually and divinely guided, um, you can do a lot of things, but there's a point where you've already arrived. Yeah. And so many of the folks that come through our program are the first. They're first ones in their family. They're releasing, you know, the trauma. They're the first ones that have the financial resources to invest in their healing like this. And so to be able to be in this place of like going through this journey and saying, I can surrender, I surrender, right? And, and Taylor Shanae, one of our trainers in the program talks about surrender, surrendering, not being about like giving up, but actually being like one of the most active processes that you can be engaged with because you are accepting what is, right? You are, you are actively choosing to recognize that whoever you end up with in a small group or whatever, whatever is, is like actually exactly as it's supposed to be. And that is so hard, right? Like, cause we have all these ideas and control and all that stuff, but to be in this place of surrender that I'm, I'm like accepting, right. Mm-hmm. And there's peace in that. And I, and I hear that in everything you're saying. Right. And so that's like something like along this journey, both well, my own experience of going through this program when I was like, you know, the baby community organizer and now um, just seeing so many years of folks go through this, it's like, they, they're like, oh, can I be the first one? Can, you know, is like, am I capable of doing this work for my ancestors or future generations? Like, you know, that sense of like, really? Like, is it me? I'm the one. Um, to then being like, yeah, actually I am. And here's how I live into my purpose. And there's peace in that. Right. And so, and then, and I have all these, like, I have 30, 38 other, like, or 30, 30, 35 other, like, living bodies that are experiencing that too in their own unique ways. And like, there is a confidence that's cultivated in the community that way that then is it's like you're you're feeling that confidence within yourself and then you're holding that to be true for your coach partner that you have the utmost confidence in their own ability to like be that one that be that person and that's infectious like when you're when your coach believes you can do anything that there's nothing to pathologize about you there's nothing like broken that like there's actually you have all the answers and it got covered up because life is hard Right. And it's like there's been things that that limiting beliefs that have been put on you or that you've accepted as your reality. But like in that, it's like this coach is holding over there on the other side of that phone or that Zoom link that they believe you can do this, that you can you can actually hold everything that is coming out of your mouth that is 
coming through the wisdom of your body, you can hold it all. Like that is, I want to live like that. You know, I want to be in community like that. That's like, that's what I see as the future, right? Um, is to, to ha- hold that kind of possibility for myself and for others. Um, and it just feels like a sacred way of being, like that we're sacred, that we are, you know, my, in my language, right? Like my spiritual language would be like, I am a creation of the creator and I am worthy. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with my doing. Um, it has nothing, it's, it's just the fact that I exist that matters. And if I can hold that to, to be true for myself, I can hold that to be true for others. And then what's possible. Perfect. Like period. (laughs) It is a lifestyle. CHJL is a lifestyle. Yes, it is a program. Yes, it has some time constraints around it, right? Like you start here, it, it ends around here. Yeah, there are things that we, we read. There are things that we do, but it is a lifestyle and it is a community embedded within that lifestyle that nourishes. Um, and I am forever grateful. And, and I'm not even on the other side of it, y'all. Like I'm, I'm talking about this in the midst of the program. This ain't like, oh, I did this thing a couple of years ago. Like, nah, in the midst of it. Um, and I, I really wanted to share this with folks. Um, I want us to get kind of logistical though at this point. So Sarah, Damon, um, if folks are kind of like, okay, so I've heard a couple of boxes and I check them. Uh, I'm a BIPOC. Um, I'm in the movement somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm down for this life. I want this lifestyle. Um, what other generalized information? What I will also say to you, although listeners, is that uh, they are really great. They being CHJL. CHJL is really great at co- creating various opportunities for you to interact with CHJL. Um, rather that's hosting like an open house where some participants in the cohorts can kind of talk about their experience, whether it's doing this podcast. Once I talked to Damon and we had that conversation and it was like, Hey, I'm down. I was invited to, I was invited to the graduation of the previous cohort. I wasn't able to make that, but I was invited to their book launch. So I want to talk about love letter to the movement not only is it a book um, that anchors the CHJL program, um, but anyone can buy the book. You don't have to be in the program to buy the book. Dope, real. Y'all know I don't read, right? But sometimes I don't read because it's like, this I don't feel personal. <laughs> you know, it's like a bunch of information. Oh, this, this, this is a love letter and it's so personal. And I was invited to the book launch. It was, it was over Zoom. I get there. There are some people from previous cohorts and stuff saying, Y'all listen to me. I don't know. Was it in March? Am I making that up? It feels like March of the year. So a couple of months before I would enter the program, I'm I'm not going to lie. And, you know, I'm many things. A liar is not one. But if you need corroborating like evidence, I can find the people I said this to. I went on that call. I sat through the book launch. I hit in call on that Zoom. And I told so many people with tears. Oh, my God. I found my people. I don't even know. I couldn't tell you why I was saying that. <laughs> I don't know what was the the characteristic or texture. It wasn't one thing that someone said. It wasn't one thing that was done. It was just literally my body felt like, oh, like a breath. We've arrived. And there was this knowing in this space, I'll never be too much. 
I'll never be too big. I'll never be too small. I'll never be inadequate. I get to be, and it'll be just what I need to be in that moment. And it was something about being invited to a space to witness how, witness the lifestyle that CHJL is that let me know I will be welcomed home. So there, if you are interested in the program, they have plenty of opportunities for you to interact with CHJL in many ways that can give you a sense of it. How we've been vibing today, this is it. Damon is Damon, Sara is Sara. Y'all know I'm me, right? And we get to be this way. So this is a little bit of it, but is there any other information you want to give folks if they're kind of like, I want to know more um, or just what you can tell them about how they could officially look into CHJL? So I'll start with some of the logistics and the websites and whatnot. And then Sada, I would love for you to talk about Love Letter. Um, you came up with the title. You and your daughter painted the, the cover. Um, so I just want to, would love to hear you to speak about that labor of love. That's what we should have said. That's the labor of love. Um, so pretty simple, Healing justiceliberation.org that'll get you to um uh the nine-month certification program we're talking about that'll get you to the two-day intros that we offer six times a year you can sign up for the newsletter uh, and our newsletter is very uh fun because at the end it's like what we're reading what we're tuning into and people sometimes just that's the thing that they really want to see so healingjusticeliberation.org that's the way to get to all our, our offerings. The other website um, is www.loveletter2themovement.com. And that has the textbook that we use. It's the textbook that we wrote because there wasn't a textbook that brought in who we are, how we are, and really the program that we wish we went through. So we ran six, seven cohorts before we started CHJL, but we were using someone else's structure that wasn't, we made it work because folks of color, we make it work. We figure it out, right? Immigrants figure it out. But we said at the beginning of this, let's make a program that we want. I teach a Capoeira class. Actually, in a couple of weeks, I'm teaching a Capoeira class as part of this coaching program. Um, and it relates um, we have multiple classes around um, uh, decolonization and indigenization. We have a couple, but Taylor Shanae, we've talked about a couple of times. She teaches two of her classes on somatics. Um, white supremacy and settler colonial case studies. So once you're a coach that uses your coaching schools as a consultant to do work, do you take certain contracts in places where it looks and smells a little fishy. If you do, how do you prepare yourself? How do you charge money? How do you actually think about resource interdependence in a way where we're under capitalism, but we're not of capitalism? What are those other ways of exchanging and really being in relationship to people um, that is more of what we really want? So that's what you'll learn um, for the nine-month program. It is six uh, two-day kind of weekends, Friday, Saturdays that are spread over the nine months. And then there is a deep dive teleclass that we have in the morning and the afternoon. Um, and they're both 
um, the same content. So you can choose based on your schedule there. And there's individual mentoring, group mentoring, lots of other opportunities for our folks to, to be involved in. Um, and if you want to check it out, you can do our two-day. And our two-day gives you enough to change your life and change how you relate to people. So I'll, I'll invite people to do that too. And then, uh, Sara, the, the book, what what, what yeah. shall we say about this? Yeah. Okay. So this book, um, it's the textbook for the school. Um, and so, you know, it really references the like specific school uh, skills of coaching. Um, and it's like so much more, right? It's part memoir. So both Damon and I share our stories about how we got to coaching it is um, part political analysis. So there's, you know, our perspective on the way that we want the world to be and our critique of, um, you know, of, of like the dominant culture in so many ways. Um, there's, you know, a chapter on the body. There's a chapter that Damon talked about earlier about, you know, what's the future of coaching? Um, that's like Afro-Indigenous um, futuristic piece that Damon wrote that's really beautiful. There's a chapter on like self-care for the coach. Like, what does it look like for you to be with yourself, right? As you're holding space for others. What are the rituals that, you know, we invite you to consider to really like you know, honor the sacred work that you're doing as a coach. There's a chapter on community organizing and coaching. You know, the best community organizing training I ever received was actually going through the two-day coaching program when I went through it because it really gave me the language to be in better relationship with people, which is what organizing is about. It's relationships, right? And it felt like having the tools to ask better questions and to listen well from like a coach perspective actually supported my organizing. So there's like a whole chapter on that. Um, there's a chapter on what what is our definition of liberatory coaching? Like what do we what do we mean by that? Right. Um, and so we talk about that. I'm trying to we talk about parts work. So this idea that there's like a multiplicity within us and, you know, it's okay to have a diversity of experience within your, in, within one body, um, that you can have complicated feelings about the same thing and they can be different. And how do you be with that? So there's a chapter on that. And then there's a, there's spirit, there's a chapter on spirit and spirit is throughout the whole book. Right. Um, and you know, it's like, how do we, really invite folks to define that for themselves, right? So that we talk about, I talk about my own path, Damon talks about his own path, and then it's like, well, what's your path as the reader? How do you define it for yourself? Because there's no, there's no like strict definition we're holding. It's really like there's, um, it's like how, how are we creating space for your coach partner to bring spirit in a way that makes sense for them so that they feel that sense of aliveness and connection to more than themselves. Um, so that's like what the, those are like some of the chapters in the book. Um, so it is like part memoir, part political analysis, part self-help, part, um, you know, uh, mat, I don't know, manifesting. It's like all those things kind of wrapped up into one thing. It really was a labor of love. We're like, what is this going to look like? How long is this taking? We wrote it in the height of the pandemic um, when, when neither of us had childcare. So it was like really wild experience. But I would say, you know, it's like probably one of the things I'm most proud of in my life where it really like I think both of us poured ourselves into it um, and we want it to be something that 
you know, you hold that book and it's, we wanted it to be beautiful. We spent a lot of extra money finding a printer and a graphic designer that's like, you know, that we, that can make it look really nice. Um, and so there's, um, there's a heftiness to it, right? Cause like it's very tactile and you can fold the pages and it's in color. And there's like a whole bunch of visioning projects from the first cohort um, uh, like pictures at the back of the book. So you can just see like how people are thinking about how they're using coaching. So we want it to feel special when you're holding it. And I think that was our intention. And so I hope people feel that when they hold that book. I do. It is prominently displayed on my bookcase. Um, and I've read more of this book y'all than I read of more books. So that says a whole lot. Um, and not just cause it's a requirement of the program. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. Sada. Damon, um, a lifetime of gratitude to you as the humans that you are, um, as the creators of CHJL that you are, but really as my chosen family. I, I really appreciate you all being here, taking the time to um, to share your labors of love with my listeners. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having us. It was such a pleasure to, to have these conversations and just to hear your perspective is really, I, I feel very nourished. Thank you. And that thing you said about family, I mean, yeah, every year our family gets bigger. Every year our family gets bigger. And there's not, they're not the transactional, we have to be in relationships. They're like the relational, we choose and we seek out those relationships, um, which I have to say that <laughs> puts a, <laughs> comparing that to like, Folks who haven't gone through this uh, experience and haven't done the work, it's a very stark contrast. Mm -hmm. So basically, Shonda, you're messing it up for my friends in real life. My bad, y'all. I'm over here. I'll say a couple of things to my listeners. So um, there was a little bit of strategy that I had um, in bringing on Sada and Damon in this timing because... I made a lope for myself and I said, it's time, it's time to get the rest of my chosen family on this podcast. So y'all, y'all are in for some dope, <laughs> some dope episodes, because when I say these people are amazing, I legit mean they're amazing. So gonna, I'm ready to be like, all right, y'all, like I already got my thing ready. All right. Set on Damon done theirs. Sign up. Here go the link. Let's go. Let's get them out there. And I do want to say that this does mark. Um, that I'm officially put liberatory coaching on my website and the link to schedule is live. Um, and yeah, wasn't waiting for any particular thing. I, well, I was waiting to come out the cave <laughs> that turned into a tunnel. So then, you know, but as I am approaching my emergence, I will say that um, this, this will be for the people who reach out to me and go, will you be my therapist? But I live here. And I'm like, you know, nope, I can't. You have to live in Ohio and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm saying, yes, I can. If you were listening to this and you're like, I want that as a lifestyle. And you feel that I am a person that can help usher you towards that. Sign up for the consultation. Let's get it popping. But when I tell you that I have a whole host and directory of other dope folks, if I'm not a good fit that I can send you to, that's what I mean. So don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I can hook you up with some great folks and through CHJL, like we can make sure that we find someone who might fit your needs. So with that, y'all, I want to remind you also that I got the Patreon. I see the numbers y'all tuning in every single week. 
And while it does not cost you anything to listen, it costs me and my family a lot to produce. So head over to the Patreon if you feel so inclined to continue to support this work. I want to give a shout out to Trey Angel, who provides all the music for the Labors of Love podcast, to my producer, Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media. And y'all know my listeners, I love you. Thank you. Oh, I'll announce this in a more formal fashion, but I do want to let you know that as of today, we have cracked 50,000 listens. Y'all, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. It's not a radio station. You can't just like turn and be like, oh, I'll stop here. You have to be very intentional to click on the Labors of Love podcast. And people have done that over 50,000 times. And so my heart is just so full from the love and support. Um, don't forget we're on all the major social media outlets. If you have suggestions for content or guests, you can hit my website, www.thelaborsoflove.com. And don't forget to give us that five-star rating. If you haven't already, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and write a review. If you haven't, share the podcast with your loved ones and friends. Until we connect again, you all be well.